This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in a digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Market Scale Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the show. Uh, I'd like to point you all in a few directions to make sure you're getting more and previous Market Scale Podcast content. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find our podcast at Market Scale Technology. You can also find a few uh, other umbrella channels for us on those two platforms as well, including Market Scale Radio and Market Scale Manufacturing. So make sure you're subscribing to all of our content there. You can also find all of these podcasts, our contributor shows, and a variety of content from different industries on our website, marketscale.com industries. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're talking RC aero modeling, a hobby for some, a career for others, but for all motorized model plane enthusiasts, it is a passion. As small propeller and propulsion technology has improved over the years, RC jet enthusiasts have looked to find silent and clean aero modeling, especially for the noisier jet models. Today we're giving you a tutorial and some guidance on how to bring improved speed, sound, and flight time to your aero model. For great insights, I'm joined today by Christian Willishek, sales expert for RC business at Schubler Technologies, and Daniel Schubler, frequent guest and founder of Schubler Technologies. Christian, Daniel, welcome. Great to have you both on. How are we doing? Hello. Hi, I'm fine. I'm fine, yeah. Thank you both so much for joining us. Looking forward to unpacking your thoughts on this and uh, you know, really hearing what makes you passionate about the RC aero modeling industry and how technology is assisting in your visions. Uh, I want to go ahead and start with Christian first, since Christian, you are a first timer here on the podcast. Yes. Always good to get a little more context on who you are and uh, why this is the topic that you're lending your insights to. So I know you've been an active aero modeler since at least 2013. Uh, but the whole practice has really captured your imagination since you were a child, including the fact that your father was also into aero modeling, so it runs in the family. Uh, what has drawn you to this craft personally, and why did you end up finding a passion in it? What about it has you know, uh, morphed into both your personal and your professional career? Yeah. Well, um, my early childhood, uh, my dad took me to a model airfield, and so planes sparked my interest very early. Um, and once inside, excited about it, um, it usually can last a lifetime. Um, another memory is that in the late 80s, military aircraft were still seen very often here in the German sky, um, which only increased my fascination for airplanes. When I started the hobby aeromodeling, I started to fly um, a glider um, and a motor glider. And the next step um, would have been to fly a larger motor plane. But this step was unfortunately missing um, because other hobbies I could do with, with my friends in the same age awakened my interest, um, like playing football, for example. So 
when I got to know Daniel then in 2010 and started working for him, I came back into contact with the aero modeling hobby. So it didn't take long um, for the fascination uh, to be back in my head. Daniel motivated me to get active again and that was uh, a very good decision for me. Since then, I've been active in building and flying model airplanes and I'm always looking for new projects, of course. Building a functioning flying and, of course, nice looking aircraft from a gray empty aircraft shell yeah, is simply fun for me, I would say. Daniel, I want to go ahead and loop you in as well. Um, what is it about aero modeling or the aero modeling industry that you think is so critical to continue to upgrade and bring new technologies and solutions to so much so that it has become an important part of your company's business? Yeah, so yeah, we do the aero modeling part, like you said, and derived from that, we have, we have done a lot of projects for the industry. The, the industrial projects are giving us a main turnover, honestly, but we never stop doing error modeling here in the company. The development of uh, products for the error modelers, especially for EDF jets, so for electrically driven jets, that's something very special still. It's very demanding, technically very demanding. So you really have to, to come up with a really good product efficiency counts like in all the other podcasts which which i which i said efficiency counts a lot that's that's uh, that also applies for error modeling you need to come up with a very robust product there's some price pressure for sure because it's a hobby and the error modeling field that's that's a technical playground for us here in the company i mean this in a in a very serious manner so in, in error modeling, you have no, no limits. You don't have to stay really within a strict project. And uh, you can do some crazy projects. You can try uh, new propulsion technologies. You can try combinations of EDF uh, fans and airframes. And it's, uh, for us, it, it means to learn a lot very quickly. At the same time, it's fascinating. So. It's, of course, interesting for the aero modeler uh, itself, but also uh, companies look into that field of technology. And as we take this very, very serious, we are often asked to do more projects. All right, let's dig in a little deeper to some of the technology changes in RC aero modeling. Let's start here. What is the experience like today for RC enthusiasts flying turbine-powered RC planes? Uh, if they're just getting into the practice, or this is all the technology they have access to, what is that experience like, usually? The pros, the cons, what are the features that are most widely liked with that basic technology, and also some of the most widely panned features or side effects of using that tech? I think that you just have to have interest for the model type jet. And um, so you have many options. For example, building a plane that looks and performs close to the original with a real gas turbine um, or building a sport jet like the Calf Joker, for example, to fly certain 
aerobatic figures or go very fast. Um, aeromodeling covers a broad spectrum, I think, from gliders, propeller planes, helicopters to jets. So um, there's something for everyone who's yeah, addicted by this hobby. And the fact that it's possible to fly jets electrically with almost turbine-like sound and convincing performance is just great. And um, for jet model builders who are more electrically orient oriented, building a jet that comes true to the original is the highest art in jet flying, I would say. In addition to a perfect scale construction, the aircraft should also be flown true to the original. That's, that's yeah, I would say difficult to learn. I think, I think Christian got that right. And uh, when we think about jet error modeling, you can maybe separate into three kinds. So you can uh, go with, uh, with the turbine where you put a lot of kerosene in the model. You have a lot of energy. It's a nice technology too, but that's not what we are doing. We do EDF and that's called electric ducted fence. So we fly on batteries. That's a huge challenge and it fits in the time, in the spirit of, of, of today. And then you can diversify further between a sports jet and a scale jet. So the sports jet sets for uh, aerobatic pattern flying and for high speed flying, which, which I personally like. And the scale jet set is where you build a model of the real one. So how have y'all both seen aero modeling technology improve to solve some of those usage, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would say issues necessarily, but uh, yeah, just some of the maybe limiting features of um, classic turbine-powered RC planes. How has technology improved to solve some of those uh, feature preferences? I think in the past 20 to 25 years, um, a lot of technical development made a lot of made, made a lot possible in this hobby. Um, for example, the 2.4 gigahertz technology for the transmitters um, saves many model builders from losing their aircraft. Um, back in the days when 35 megahertz was used, um, crashes due to signal loss or double occupancy of the frequency were unfortunately very common. Um, so the development of safer transmitters, um, the development of brushless motors and the, the LiPo battery technology um, have given the model aircraft hobby a lot of tailwind and possibilities. Yeah, maybe Daniel can, maybe Daniel can tell a short story when he first appeared on an aero modeling event in Switzerland using LiPo batteries for his plane. I think it's almost, yeah, maybe 20 years ago, Daniel? Uh, yes, true. That's 17 years ago. I remember that one. That was an important step. But maybe to catch up with, with another topic first, you were talking about 2.4 gigahertz. And uh, before that, we had 30, 35 megahertz. Uh, you are right. Uh, 2.4 is a, is a big step, especially for EDF, because in uh, on an EDF jet you have your propulsion system somewhere in the middle, and with 35 megahertz you had your receiver in the front. And the only chance you had was like pulling the antenna uh, to the back to the to the tail of the model, so it was going past the propulsion system 
and it it caught a lot of interference and that is that was a reason why you could lose your jet model which was expensive and extremely uh, time intensive to build so that was frustrating 2.4 gigahertz healed z so that's it's really great to have and then yeah like like you said the batteries that uh, was a big issue so when i i started edf and i i just say I started because I, I was alone at that time. There was no company and then no team and no crew. We were starting with nickel cadmium batteries. Then we switched to nickel metal hydride, which were a little bit better, like you, you got a little bit more energy. And on that event, or be, before that event in 2003 in Switzerland, we were flying, for example, 20 cells in series that gave you a voltage of something like 20, 21, 22 volts. And the capacity was around about two amp hours. And in 2003, uh, in February, I was in San Diego at the Midwinter Electrics. And I saw a guy flying with an uh, aerobatic plane and he had lithium polymer batteries on board. It was a huge pack, but at the same time, not, not too heavy because he's Batteries are very, very light compared to their capacity, but he, he had to go for a huge pack because the, the, the battery which, which he was using couldn't deliver the current he needed. So he had to like make it just bigger. And yeah, that was in February 2003. I did a lot of research what battery technology was available at that time, and I saw that it was just coming up. So there were like cell manufacturers, cell suppliers coming up week by week, months by months. And I decided to go with Kokam. That's a brand which we still know, but Kokam has moved on to industry and is not so active in RC anymore. So on the event, I changed the battery, the nickel metal hydride to a LiPo battery. Um, and capacity was like around about four or five times higher. So I went up to about 10 amp hours. And I flew the jet that was a vector at that time. That was a sports jet, a very fast one. And after five minutes, five minutes 30, I did an approach for landing. And then uh, I did a go around because I had so much capacity left. And at that time it was absolutely unsinkable to fly longer than five or five minutes 30. And I did a go around and made another flight of five minutes 30, landed or did an approach again, did another go around and made another flight. So over 15 minutes at that time with quite a nice performance. A long story short, uh, this battery technology gave the hobby a big push. Uh, without it, it doesn't work. It's also used on many drones and it's, it's really important uh, for our hobby because now for EDF flying, we have enough energy in the jet to really fly it fast and scale it for a long time. All right, let's go ahead and get a full breakdown now of how an aero modeler can take their turbine-powered RC plane and convert it into an EDF airplane or an electric ducted fan plane, which is basically a multi-bladed propeller sucking in air and spinning at high speeds. It's a completely different uh, approach to RC aero modeling. But I know that it's a design and a technology that Schubler Technologies has been refining for several years now. So uh, I want to hear from y'all, the experts. What are the main factors that an enthusiast would be looking to improve upon 
by going EDF with their aero modeling? I think um, convincing a hardcore jet modeler from turbine to EDF is, is not so easy. It can only be done by showing how good performance and sound of an EDF can and should be. Um, but there are also um, other factors like um, some customers, for example, are no longer allowed to fly planes with combustion engines at their airfield um, or have to fight with noise restrictions. And so an EDF um, can be the solution for flying jets and um, other customers are simply fascinated by the fact that a jet model can also be operated electrically with excellent performance and um, a silent, nice turbine sound. And um, still others like the easy handling of the EDF without the smell of kerosene and safety precautions against fire, for example. Does Schubler's approach to EDF conversion, taking an RC plane and, and making it electric ducted fan powered, uh, or just convincing someone to go EDF in the first place with your tech, uh, does your approach differ in any way compared to the rest of the industry or any other EDF aero modeling approaches? What are y'all's thoughts there? Um, I think we can say that um, in the EDF market, um, we have been setting standards for many years now. We pay attention to the durability of the products as well as high efficiency and um, a turbine-like sound. What we recommend um, does not always work at its limits, which is also a security aspect for the customer. No, nobody wants to stand next to a bursting EDF just because the development wasn't carried out carefully or because you want to achieve more and more performance by even using higher RPM, um, which cannot handle the rotor. And um, if a customer chooses our product, he can be sure to get a durable and safe product with excellent performance and sound, of course. Yeah, agreed, Christian. We, we looked in, into every detail, like um, how long is it ago? I think 20, 23 years ago, I started to do EDF development on a scientific basis. I never looked at it as a toy. And, and it's today, today it's still this spirit. So we, we look into every detail, like I said, the aerodynamic features of the fan itself, rotor blades, stator blades, also the inlet design, the outlet design. So we, we give the service to the customer um, to let them know how the inlet lo should look like, uh, what the perfect outlet size is, what flight speed he can expect, what flying time, but also the practical things like uh, controller recommendation, um, optimization of controller settings, which is very important. So we give a lot of service and advice on that. And then of course, battery choice and size. So that's, that's our approach to come up with a great EDF solution. So we, we look at the, at the whole project of the customer. 
I want to wrap the podcast, and this might still take us a little, little bit of time, but really just the last main chunk. I want to do a tutorial, basically, of walking through uh, picking out the right EDF technology, matching it to your plane, and what that process really feels like for an enthusiast. Because for someone that has been uh, only running with uh, turbine-powered RC planes for their entire aeromodeling career this might come as a surprise or something that feels very foreign. So let's go ahead and give our audience that breakdown. How do you select the right size of fan for an airframe? I figured that would be the first step is to really size out your craft. Break down that step for me. Yes. Selecting the correct fan size uh, is based on the size of the air intake and, and the outlet area of the of a model jet plane. Each of our fans has a certain fan swept area that can be found in the designation of our fans. For example, 30, 51, 98, and so on. Um, th- these, these numbers describe the fan swept area in square centimeters. And uh, in the best case, the size matches the size of the intake area of the plane. So for example, the carved joker, it, it has almost an intake area of maybe 90 square centimeters. And um, so the, the right choice for this, for this plane is um, to go for a DS-98 HST. And for example, if the intake of a jet model airplane is too small, and you install a fan that that doesn't match the intake area of the of the air, aircraft. Um, the fan cannot generate its full power. So yeah, it's important to to compare size of the intakes and fan swept area of the EDF. What about input power, motor size, and battery size? How do you make proper selections? Uh, for the energy that's going to be powering your EDF aero model. Selection of input power, motor size, and battery capacity is, I would say, based on the takeoff weight of the aircraft. In addition to that, most customers uh, request a specific number of battery cells they want to use. For example, 12S or 14S, for for the Joker for the Cuff Joker for example or for a small for a smaller EDF um, jet uh, like like the Mini Avanti it's six SUs and and um, we recommend the right EDF setup with controller and also recommend a battery capacity to achieve a flight time of yeah five to seven minutes and that's the most important things the customers uh, are requesting. Yeah. Maybe also a little contribution to flight time and power. Uh, You said we are recommending uh, battery sizes to fly like for five to seven minutes. At the same time, we take care that the thrust is is very high because that's going to end up with a slightly bigger battery than normal that adds weight. But with with a Schubler EDF setup, you have a very efficient setup which generates a very high thrust, so a very high performance 
although you have uh, decided to go for a long duration setup. So what we can offer is both. We have jet-like performance with the approach which Christian has just, uh, just explained, and we have sufficient flight time. Um, it's maybe not super important for a small foam jet, but it's super important for a serious uh, jet project. You want to have a flight time of 5 minutes 30 and you want to have some margin if you have to do one or two go-arounds. You don't want to lose your jet because the battery is empty. And that's, that's what we can deliver uh, with our approach of, of looking at the whole jet project of the customer. When transitioning to an electric ducted fan aero model, uh, aero modelers also have to consider the aerodynamic concepts of inlet and outlet ductings for maximum performance, which may seem like a completely foreign concept. So can you explain what that means in practice and why inlet and outlet ducting is important when designing your EDF plane? Yeah, as mentioned before, um, this, the fan swept area has to match the size of the air inlet and outlet of the aircraft um, so that the fan can generate its full performance. The size of the nozzle can be slightly adjusted um, depending on the type of the jet. Um, for example, a sport jet the customer wants to go fast with um, gets a slightly smaller outlet to achieve more airspeed during flight. And um, a scale jet like the L39 or a Hawk um, are, more, are more designed to go static thrust. So um, this means the diameter of the outlet can be nearly 100% to the fan swept area of the fan. So it's important that the nozzle diameter is not larger than the fan swept area of the EDF. Um, otherwise, you will lose power. And finally, this is just for both of you. Are there any other practical considerations for a component's installation? Anything we missed in breaking down that uh, an aero modeler is going to have to consider as they craft their EDF plane? Um, great, great, great importance um, should always be attached to a clean installation of all components, I think. Area between air intake and fan as free as possible so that the air inside the fuselage um, comes very clean to the fan without too much turbulences. And um, all components such as cables, batteries, and other electronic components should always be fixed very properly. The, the, the fan sucks in everything that's not fixed well, so that's, that's really important. And um, in addition to that, it's necessary to attach an inlet inlet lip to the fan so that the air can be sucked in very clean. Um, operating a fan without an inlet lip in an open duct system um, can result in performance losses of 30% and more, I would say. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's very high. And you are re referring here to closed duct and open duct systems, right? So right. Open duct uh, means that you have an inlet ducting, uh, which is not directly attached to the fan. So there's a free area between your inlet or your inlet ducting and then the fan. So the fan needs another inlet lip because it sucks air from, from everywhere inside the fuselage. Uh, 
And this kind of insulation is great for scale jets. You are able to get some additional air into the fan, especially while uh, takeoff and climbing. So when you are slower and there's not so much ram air in, in front of the uh, main intakes. So that's, that's just great. At the same time, it's, it's very practical. We have established this system in 2011 when we came up with the HST fans uh, on the market. Um, that was also uh, kind of a game changer for EDF because the HSTs together with this kind of insulation allowed um, many, many conversions of turbine jets into EDFs. So that was really a big push uh, for, the, for the whole field of aeromodeling. Yeah, and then you are right. Between the inlet and the fan, there shouldn't be the huge battery block. That's that just doesn't work. We still see this from time to time, this kind of idea, but it just doesn't work. Uh, the fan needs some clean air, which goes straight in. It likes some it likes some ram air, which reduces the pressure ratio of the fan. So if we have that scenario where the fan gets ram air in a very fast jet, uh, it's like you said, we we reduce the nozzle. Uh, exhaust diameter, we generate a, a high-speed airstream and such a jet can go very fast. And really the details count here. It, uh, general recommendation is, is hard to make. It, it just doesn't work, this approach. A manufacturer for an EDF needs to know exactly what inlet and exhaust size matches for his fan with regards to the individual project, so with regards to the airframe. There's an airframe with a lot of drag, there's one with low drag, there's a lot of different cases. And uh, I think we have a, a very deep understanding to give really good working recommendations to our customers there. Last point on the podcast today for both of you, Christian and Daniel. With all of this installed, Let's say we've got uh, an aeromodeling enthusiast or professional that now has their first EDF plane. With all of the new gear installed, what should the expected final result and flight performance be like uh, compared to flying a, uh, a turbine-powered RC plane? I would say when all components have been installed according to the specifications, and have been carefully selected from one another, the customer can expect a model aircraft with, with excellent performance, long-lasting, long uh, reliable propulsion, um, with a nice turbine sound, um, but what's important, much more silent and pleasant than with a gas turbine. If, if, you, if, you, have a, if you compare a sport jet, an EDF sport jet, to a, to a sports jet with gas turbine, I think the gas turbine will always win, but yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> I, I, know, I know what you mean. Uh, I, 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 I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, you're, you are right. You're right. That comes simply from the fact that the energy density of the kerosene is incredibly high. I didn't do the mass in the last years, but I remember that there is a factor of the energy content from kerosene to battery, if you compare it the same weight of something between 50, so 50 and 70. So that's insane. How can you compensate that? We compensate a big portion of that by efficiency. Again, this word, no, but I, but I mean it like that. A turbine uh, 
maybe creates like with an efficiency of five between five and ten percent uh, of of thrust from the used amount of kerosene or the energy in the kerosene, a good EDF um, converts the battery energy into thrust uh, with an efficiency of eighty percent. So the two fifteen HSD from us, our biggest fan, is over eighty percent. Of course, that compensates a lot, but not everything. With turbines, it's interesting. You cannot do so much wrong. If you do things really badly wrong, your model burns. That's that's a bad thing. I always do the joke, the only thing you can do wrong is you install it in the wrong way. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not fair. It's a nice technology. I like turbines, um, but we are focused on uh, electrically driven uh, jets here, of course. So if you install the EDF in the right way, if you have a good airframe, you can go insanely fast. Uh, with a with a spot that 350 kph is no problem. With a special speed jet, at the moment in the project, uh, with with a colleague, we are aiming to 500 kph. That's a small project. We could go faster if we decide to go with a, with a bigger EDF system. And I think the fastest turbine jet is close to 700 kph. There's one dedicated speed project. So that, is, that is, explains the difference a little bit. If you look at the practical size, uh, at the practical side of aero modeling, you want to go to your field, you want to unpack your model. With EDF, you install your batteries and you go flying. So once your setup works well, and that is where we are helping the customer, uh, once it works well, you can just load the batteries and go flying. You need a little bit of infrastructure for loading, or you need to have three sets of batteries and you can have a really nice Sunday of uh, jet flying with, with a proper EDF model. Uh, with turbine, it's just more effort. It's maybe also a little bit more costly because of service and maintenance. And price um, of a turbine. So that's maybe a fair comparison. And the, the price, yeah. All right, Daniel, Christian, that does it for our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Again, We've been joined by Christian Willishek, sales expert for RC Business, and Daniel Schubler, founder, both at Schubler Technologies. If people want to find out a little bit more about EDF aero modeling and get plugged in with uh, potentially this future for aero modeling, where can they go online? Yeah, so it's uh, www.schubler-jets.de or .com. Um, there the aero modeler can find everything all information about our products there's also the link to our store and there's also for um, people who are interested in the other sides of our business there's a link to our industrial websites they are both separated uh, the hobby website is the orange one um, the R&D and industry websites that's the blue one and we are also on Facebook at Schuvela EDF. True. And on LinkedIn. And on, that's, LinkedIn. And on YouTube. And on YouTube. And on YouTube. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's about it. All right. Perfect. Thank you again, Christian, Daniel. Always great getting to chat. Looking forward to bringing you back on soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're heading to marketscale.com slash industries 
for all of our podcasts, articles, and video content from a variety of different industries. And make sure you're also subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to our various umbrella podcasts, including Market Scale Radio, Market Scale Technology, and Market Scale Manufacturing. We also have a robust podcast network full of contributor shows. So make sure you're going to our podcast network tab on our website, marketscale.com industries for more exciting industry focused podcasts to subscribe to. And regardless, make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.